This is the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast, and I am Mike Riccio, longtime personal trainer, professional strength coach, gym owner, and most importantly, a devoted modern father and husband. I've been fortunate to learn under some of the most intelligent minds in health and fitness over the past 15 years, as well as work with amazing clients and athletes. What I've most fallen in love with over the years is the power we have over our lives, the power to decrease risk of disease and injury, the power to reach our true potential, the deep abilities the body is capable of when all aspects of health are working simultaneously. On this podcast, you will learn the importance of preventative health and how to optimize your habits to optimize your life. Listeners, we are on today with Sarah Elise Bobo, the CEO and founder of Live Well Enhance You and the host of the Stress-Free Solutions Podcast. Sarah is a stress management consultant. She works with companies to improve the environment that we all work in. She shares with us the signs that a company may need to change. She also helps us define the definition of balance. How do we balance the lifestyle we need to create the positive environment that we all deserve while also staying productive and creating a successful environment along with a positive one? Most importantly, Sarah discusses how crucial it is to have a great communication system, both in direction towards the employee and of the executive. Sarah just had a wealth of knowledge when it comes to this industry and this topic. And I really enjoyed all of the different paths we went down. And there is definitely something for everybody. So please listen in and enjoy our talk with Sarah Elise Bobo. All right, here we go. Sarah, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Mike? Very good. Excited for today. If we could just hear a little bit about, about you, what you're doing now, and uh, what brought you to, to this, this passion point we're talking about today. Yeah, so I am a stress management consultant, fitness coach, and recently added to my bucket is a leadership wellness coordinator. So I'm really excited to be here today. I love talking to individuals and companies about making lifestyle changes. So really yeah. excited to chat with you. Yeah. Both of us come from the personal training, the, the fitness side of the spectrum. So yeah. um, I can certainly understand where, where one avenue leads to another. But for those that don't, you know, what brings someone from our background into caring about maybe a bigger spectrum, looking at company health, corporate health, corporate stress health on a large scale when you have large companies with a lot of people. What brought you to want to work with this niche specifically like you do? Well, there are a couple of reasons. A lot of the clients that I started working with happened to be burned out corporate professionals. And then on a personal level, my father, he was a very hard worker and actually put all of his energy into work and didn't make time for himself. So that was something I really wanted to tap into that market and kind of understanding people's pain points. And so there was that psych psychological <laughs> component too, to just interest level. And then I just really dove into it head first and realized this is a nationwide problem. Absolutely. Everyone's stressed. Yeah. Everyone, everyone is stressed and everyone is stressed differently, right? Like it's, yeah. we can bulk this into such a a general topic, but it's so individualized, which is why I find this topic we're talking about today so interesting because we have a number of individuals, each with their own stresses, but that's affecting a workplace environment to where maybe you have, whether it's 10, 50, or 500 employees in a company, 
that's affecting it. And it's a butterfly effect, right? Every single employee affects the environment, even for the employees, maybe they don't directly interact with every day. So if we start on the large scale, and we're going to come into the individuals later, what mm-hmm. are some signs that maybe a larger company might be needing some change? Well, there's usually a communication problem. That's the number reason why people hire me for a company is they notice that the subordinates aren't communicating with their superiors. The leaders don't understand the pain points of every individual in their company. The teams are very separated and not coming together. So it really starts with the communication piece. And then when you dig deeper, it's the workload. You know, especially in this time, there's change fatigue happening, layoffs. So other people are having to take on even more work on their team. And this is then the cycle of burnout that starts to be seen throughout the company. So that's that's not the number one problem right now is that change fatigue and then it's affecting everyone else. So in the company. Yeah. So what are you seeing with the stay at home? Obviously, this a big change of COVID was a lot of people moved to the stay at home work environment. And and understandably, many people don't want to go back. Maybe people have liked that. And I've heard of companies that have gone both directions. Some have realized, hey, like we really have realized we're we're doing well in this scenario. Our employees are doing better. They're flourishing. We're going to close down some brick and mortars, and we're going to save on the real estate. And then you have the other companies that are saying, no, we want everyone to to come back to work. Are there differences in the companies that are creating these different philosophies coming out of COVID? And if so, maybe what are those? That's such a good question. There are a a lot of different avenues companies are going down. They have the remote, they have the hybrid models still happening too. Uh, some of my clients right now, individual clients are going in and they'll go for two days and then the rest of the week they are at home. That one has been seeming to work the best because there is some interaction going, but then there's that freedom to go home, spend time with their family, their kids, their dog, their significant other. But Something that hasn't been working from what I've been seeing is making everyone go in because they were used to something that even though it was jarring at first, it was also freeing. And there was this freedom of, oh, I can go and actually make myself some food and nourish my body in the right way versus, man, I have to go down the street and get a Chipotle, a Subway. I just have to grab something quick and go. There's more this loving, nurturing happening when people were starting to be at home. And then with the hybrid, there's that excitement. Wow, I can go with my coworker and grab some lunch for half an hour. So is there a right way? Is there a wrong way? I don't know, but it is creating this new dynamic in companies. And burnout, though, is happening faster, especially the people that are single, are wanting to come together and have a community, you know, it also puts people in one box or the other as well. So that's the negative side that I've been seeing is people are feeling more alone, especially if they don't have a significant other at this time. And this is probably where you can look at strengths of management too, right? Understanding your employees and who might flourish under different scenarios, like maybe not creating these blanket rules of everyone in or everyone out, you know, because I know 
even if you look, I, I can use myself as an example. I was just talking to a client who, who was a CEO of a couple of different companies, and we were talking about where we do best in our work. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, as much as I love being in the gym, I, I love interacting with my members. I am someone that is easily taken away from my thought process. If I work for 45 minutes and then a group session ends and I go talk to people for a while and then I come back in here and do another 45 minutes, those days are not as productive for me. They're they're fulfilling because I get so many touch points with clients, but the one day a week I stay home by myself and just wipe out seven hours of stuff. They're just different days. So I know I probably need the at-home atmosphere more if I'm going to create up and build up my company the way I need to, but, but being here is different fulfilling. So I guess that's, it's up to management a little bit, right? Too, or maybe that should be a new management skill that didn't exist before to say, Hey, can I read people enough to put them in the right position? Yeah, that's a really good point. I, I do feel a lot of this comes down to management and how they operate. And the fact that you can say, Hey, I'm going to be home for this day, but if you have something, call me and communicate their needs with you and they'll feel accepted and they'll feel supported too. So that's really important. Management needs to hear what the employees want. Have you seen that come up in like interview processes at all? Like, is there a new line of questioning or I guess maybe maybe what questions are appropriate to ask in an interview that would help maybe weed out the personality types of people? Well, from what I've been told by human resource teams is they have to ask these questions, you know, kind of what your lifestyle is. What are you currently looking for? Would you be open to coming in five days a week? These are questions that they never had to ask before. They would just assume, well, you're moving to Chicago because this is where our office is, but now it's different. So they have to ask a little bit more detailed oriented questions about their lifestyle. It's important. And that's, we have done this for a living. So asking those questions, it's not easy to ask those questions. It's also not easy in our environment when people are coming to us directly to get healthier, to become more fit. Even then, people are not always comfortable sharing all avenues of their life with us, even though we need that information for different reasons. So I got to imagine that's difficult for an interviewer to get people to open up about certain things, even though the information could be crucial to how they set up their position going forward. Correct. They just need to be willing to start broad and then get into the smaller nitty gritty questions because they don't want to scare these people away. There's a problem already in the corporate market of retention too. Even though there have been a lot of tech layoffs, there's also other industries that are experiencing retention issues. I mean, you look at a lot of these restaurants right now, they can't even keep help. And some of like the best restaurants, I can talk about Chicago because those are the ones that I've really been noticing. But even when I've been traveling, like New York City, hard to keep anyone bartender for more than five minutes. People are wanting to work differently. So it's, yeah, you have to start asking tougher questions because you want also them to feel connected to their team, to the job, to the place, everything. I would imagine it's important to being just open up front about why you're asking the questions. Hey, you know, we're trying to figure out, you know, what the best possible for you is, not for us, because what's good for you becomes good for a company, which is something, I'm going to have a question about that that's going to come down the line. 
But yeah. um, that's probably important too, is like not just throwing random questions at people like, hey, this nice line of questions is for this purpose. purpose. So it behooves you to answer honestly, because it's going to set you up better because we do have options. We don't mind being flexible. We we don't mind. There is a, there's multiple ways this could play out in terms of what ratio of home to in office you might be looking at. So please answer honestly, because here's, here's where this is going. That's probably important. Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think as, as long as they are up front, it could lead to, you know, a better hire too. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that makes sense too. Right. Yeah. yeah. You, you brought up the point of um, the ease of being healthier at home. And I, I, it's, I see that a lot. I have, I have clients that always say like, well, yeah, now it's, I can actually go make, like I can make food. I can go put something in the oven and come back and work and then it can be ready versus the challenge of getting people to eat healthy on the go, not that that's impossible, but it is less convenient. That's certainly true too. And it is a challenge point. I guess I'm I'm curious about the differences in people you've worked with where, because I've seen the opposite too. I've seen the person who, when I'm less structured, if I'm at home all day, I don't, I eat everything in sight. I poorly eat. I start ordering in foods I normally wouldn't when I have the structure of the office. Because yeah. again, this is a very individual thing for people to say, I have my kitchen right next to me, that could be great, or that could be really bad for my health, which will lead to lack of productivity. Yeah. I'm well, not sure I, we're a company. Go ahead, please, sorry. Oh, no, it's it's funny that you say that though, because that's that was me. <laughs> I, I'm an emotional eater. I would go into the kitchen and if you had a, a bag of hot Cheetos, I would eat it. Like, and that was scary to me. I would just go in and grab. <laughs> And that is, that is my vice is like flaming hot Cheetos. I always say this on my podcast (laughs) and you know, it took me a while to recognize like, this is not just a, oh, I'm indulging myself. This this is, this is an emotional eating thing. When I had no idea what was going to happen in my business, I, I was doing lunch and learns for companies. And I said, how can I do this by myself? And especially during a pandemic, nonetheless, and still train people virtually, figure out the Zoom thing, all of it, right? It's so weird that that was, what, three years ago <laughs> Yeah, we're getting into. Yeah. And uh, what was fascinating, though, was I was going through, that was the first time I actually went through the same thing as all of my clients. Well, Sarah, that's great. I'm glad that you, you can go and eat, go to Trader Joe's and find something healthy. But I have a lot of problems, like picking through and sorting through the ingredients, right? And then they would do that at home. They would just be like, I'm just ordering in because I, what's the point? We don't know what's going on. I'm just going to go and eat something that's going to make me feel good in the moment. So I feel that. And I understand where a lot of companies, a lot of individuals are coming from because it's very easy to just just grab and fulfill what your needs are in the moment. Absolutely. When we start to talk more about long-term and, you know, their future plans. That's usually what I chat with companies about is like, what is the future of your company? What do you want that to look like? Do you want a team that's been here 20 years back and and looking and reflecting on what amazing achievements they've done? Or do you want just like a cycle in and out burnout culture? Like what, what is it that you want? And once I find out that usually they're looking for something that's more, you know, of sustenance and sustainability. And that's when we start to go into, well, what's that 
future look like for you? And then we can kind of craft and create a good benefits program that really resonates with their employees and understanding their pain points. Uh, so let's dive deeper there because I, I like that avenue. And if we start at the top, maybe let's start with the company that doesn't know they need this yet. So maybe mm. you, maybe someone said, hey, maybe we should start talking to this person. They bring you in and uh, you're talking to an executive and you're trying to make a pitch of, hey, if you put more effort and maybe resources into the health of your, your employees, mm-hmm. it's going to come back to your revenue. You know, and and you know, one equals the other. How do you start to make that pitch? Is there are there statistics? Are there you know, like how do you get a company to buy in to what is going to be a really big change, a great change, but a big change for a, a maybe a big company? Yeah, you start with the stats. The problem is recently things have kind of shifted, right? So they don't know what the hybrid model could work or how the hybrid model could work for them. They don't understand how the remote work could work for them. So we have to look at some of previous statistics like by United Healthcare, Deloitte, there's a bunch of them out there that really talks about burnout. And when companies invest in their employees with benefits programs, they see an uptick in productivity, an uptick in the health and lifestyle of those individuals and then want to actually work. So you can show the stats, but then you have to talk about, well, what is actually going on in the company? Because every company is so different and every market is very different. Specifically marketing and sales teams, that's extremely different Mm -hmm. versus like lawyers, because there's a system that works for lawyers. There's a system that works for marketing and sales teams that just won't work for anyone else. So understanding exactly what's been happening and what they need is the really the first step. So once we figure that out, then we start to tap into the different avenues, stress management techniques, um, work-life balance needs, nourishment for the soul as well as for their appetite. So those areas are really what you can focus in those little buckets to kind of help them or guide them into the right spot for that company. For them. There's a big, you know, if you look at the the LinkedIn's, the Facebooks of the world, yeah, I think sometimes we we look at these companies who have obviously really bought into what their community area looks like and you know, gaming tables and cafeterias, and like it's just a very, very different culture than what you have traditionally seen in the past. Going from one extreme to the other is probably that's a that's a big jump. So, like you said, there's there's many steps in between. So if you take the three things that you looked at, you know. When you start talking about working with with maybe the stress pillar that you spoke of first, mm-hmm. what are you starting to put together? What are the focal points under like stress specifically? You're saying, okay, your company is here. We've identified who the demographics of your employee is. How are we rolling out something to actually help those people? Is it is it seminars where they're hearing from you directly? Is it you know like what what's the next step? Yes, yeah, so that is the first step. It's kind of that introduce that introduction to. What is stress and understanding there's three different types. There's chronic, acute, chronic, acute, and episodic. So everyone kind of goes through life differently in how they manage stress. Um, Usually a life event, like a loved one passing away, that's going to be more episodic. 
then you got acute and that's a little smaller. And then you got chronic, which is just that leading into burnout. So just teaching them and giving them scenarios that they can understand, like what is stress and they can connect to, and then actually giving them some steps of ways to, you know, manage it, but be able to ask their superiors or ask their team for support when a stressful event is happening or a project is happening is huge. So we kind of do some workshopping on that. If it's virtual, I'll go into breakout sessions and I'll hop in each one and, you know, have them create a scenario and then play it out so that they can experience how to actually talk to one another during stress. Because I think that's the huge thing. There's no communication. And so getting them to understand really, if you define stress, and so really you're giving them the opportunity to reflect on their own. So they really, they can make their own judgment call of who they are, what my stress is. So we're, you know, we're not walking in and saying, this is your stress point. It's here's stress. Now you make your own newly informed self-judgment on, on what you may need from there. Exactly. And also realizing too, that their stress is valid because a lot of times they'll be like, oh, you know, you're just busy. You're, you're just feeling overwhelmed right now because it's a busy season, but just letting them say, oh no, this is what I'm stressed about this. And I can feel these emotions about it because that is how I feel. And that also helps your management team understand where they are stressed and what needs to be improved on in the management department too. There's an appropriate amount of stress, right? I think that's, you know, we, and obviously in fitness, we talk all the time about if we, if we aren't stepping outside of our comfort zone, growth is difficult to achieve, right? So there's, there's a challenge with balancing that. And again, I'll, I'll just use fitness as my comparison point. You can relate it over to what you're doing. But, you know, I don't want someone to walk in and get so neurologically, physically stressed that they have a bad experience, they have a physical bad experience, they don't want to come back. But if I'm always treating them in a way where they are never stressed, if everything is comfortable and easy and we come in and talk to our sessions and we're friendly, so they like the conversation, so they come back for that reason, I'm really never getting them results either. Right. How I do we... And, and how do we find that balance? You know, balance specifically amongst stress. Like, hey, it's okay to say, I do have a job to do every day and I and I, and I I do want to work towards certain goals in my career. And that's okay if that feels a little stressful along the way. However, here's stress that is causing you to go down a realm of poor health. Like, where do you create those boundaries? Yeah, I'm going to go back to tying it into that fitness piece because I think it's very relatable because I think that's the first step for a lot of people is I'm going to exercise to feel a little bit better. And then there's that deeper layer of, wow, mentally I'm, I'm exhausted and I'm pushing through this because I feel like I have to, because I know it's good for my body, but subconsciously I'm also overwhelmed and uh. burned out. I think it comes down to being able to treat them like a human versus a client. And, you know, the, the customer is always right is the mentality. I feel as a personal trainer, because you want them to come back. 
But when you don't, when you stop treating them like a human, then they don't come back. Right. If you just treat them like, oh, well, you know, this is just a, this is a transaction. You'll notice, and I'm sure a lot of trainers have, especially the people that they don't really connect with right away. It's because there was that non-human connection. It was just, oh, I have to get this. I have to get these hours, especially when you work at one of those big box gyms, you yeah. have to get all those sales in. Yeah. But it, once you just recognize that they're human like you, that's when the magic happens. And I think that's why you're doing such a great job, Mike, is like you're going in and you're understanding these people, but you're also being like, okay, now we got to get the work in. Right. So it's the same thing in a company such situation. We kind of analyze what's going on, similar to the human body. We we take a look, we see that, ooh, you know, maybe like their hip flexor is really tight, but they are really, really strong in their core. And so we're celebrating one area. And then we're also being able to be like, okay, like let's try and release whatever tension's going on in that, that specific area. So with their stress too, with a company, we kind of look at that as a team. We'll focus on one team together and say, hey, we're noticing that communication is an issue. Why don't we just kind of play out scenarios, see what's going on and see how we can deal with it better or communicate better with each other. Then maybe there is another layer of, I'm, I'm having trouble with presentations. And I'm going to work on this with my team so that they feel as comfortable as possible to present to a bigger company when we need to market one of our products or sell something. So there's all different ways to go about it, but I think just breaking it down and recognizing that in a company, everyone is a human and they're not clients, they're not employees, they're human beings. And we're all humans trying to work together. If you you kick this off talking about communication, I think that's probably going to be the theme here is, you know, but you have to, but that takes work to create those opportunities for the communication. I think, and I can only imagine, you know, I, I'm a small scale, you know, I've got four total employees and I still have to make time for saying, Hey, where are my touch points with my staff? When am I educating? When am I just listening? When am I, you know, whatever it might be. So I, so I understand where large companies are trying to become more efficient but I think the worst place to probably cut is the creating communications piece. And I don't mean like more emails. I mean, literally the, when do I sit down and just talk with my team? When do I just let them have the open door of what you tell me, where are you at? You know, whenever I have a, I, every beginning of the year, we have staff meetings here and I always kick it off with, this is not my meeting. This is not an evaluation meeting. I actually, if I don't talk at all today, that's great. Today is about what, how was last year for you? What are your enjoyments? What didn't you like? And what is this year going to be? And has your five-year mm -hmm. plan changed? And if I kick off that way, we get into what I want to get into anyway. Like things come up anyway, where I can like, I can start pointing out like, hey, well, yeah, you could have done that a little better. Or, yeah, that was awesome. You should keep doing that. That was a strength point of yours of, you know, like it, I think it just opens the door to getting what you want the long way, but allowing people to bet what they need first. I've got a um, when staff comes in here and I really mean, I, I've got a staff first mentality yeah. and that doesn't mean that staff can talk to members however they want to. That's, that's not the message. The message is if the staff are educated and happy and they like where they're coming to, 
their communication with the member, the member experience tends to kind of take care of itself. Like that becomes less of my worry if I'm doing my job with them. Yep. If your staff's happy, they're going to treat everyone in the same regard too, right? They're going to, they're going to be happier. And so will your members. Yes. Hands yeah. down. Mm -hmm. So that's been a, um, it's been a working element for all that I've done wrong as a business owner and all the things that I would redo. Um, you know, I think that's one thing we have strong here and uh, I really liked that a lot. So back to your point about communication, I think it really, everything you say really comes back to that, right? It really comes back to creating those opportunities to actually sit with, with staff. So when, so obviously you come in with companies, you, you take the lead on this at first, you know, companies bring you in to say, Hey, you create these seminars, you go into your breakout opportunities, you have these touch points. At what point, though, do you need to turn it back to like, okay, we got the ball rolling for you. Now your management needs to keep doing this forever. You know, so what, what's that point? When are you comfortable handing over those reins back to the company? Yeah, you know, and change can take <laughs> for a company that's been going on for a while. Um, it's It sometimes takes like a good three years to see actual change happen in that company because you start at one point, you know, and then it becomes that ripple effect and you start to see it, but they have to stay true to what they said originally. You know, if their pain point was managing stress and dealing with their communication in a, you know, more appropriate way and treating everyone like a human being, then they should continue to do that. And maybe they have to schedule in time, you know, monthly, maybe weekly check-ins if it's with a smaller team, but then they have to do something on a large scale with their company. You know, maybe it's a company-wide meeting to find out more about what's working, similar to what you're doing. Like on a small scale, it should be also on a big scale for people. It, it just comes down to understanding their employees' pain points and then being able to work through that in small ways and show them that you care. That's all the company, that's all employees want is to feel cared and supported. Yeah. Where do companies go wrong? I've seen companies that I've worked with personally where they're smaller and you're like, man, they're really the quality of the service is great. The communication is great. The customer service is great. And all of a sudden, a few locations later, 50 employees later, you're like, man, there is a noticeable difference. And I've seen it in restaurants. I've seen it in fitness places. I mean, I've seen it pick an industry. It happens, right? So when people yeah. start to scale. Where is Where do they, and I don't, and I'm, I'm sure it's probably too general to ask, you know, if there's an employee number where things start to go off typically, but maybe just from a um, a planning perspective, where do companies go wrong when they, they started right and then they start scaling mm -hmm. and quality drops? Yeah, <laughs> I think that when they start to communicate with their, honestly, the word scaling and just saying, this is, this is that stress point. I feel for a lot of individuals like, oh, we're scaling. That means I need to do more work. That means we're going to be doing a lot more work, which means I don't have time to do the things I love, which means maybe I should start looking uh. for a new job. And that's where that happens. So appropriately explaining to them how this is going to benefit them, like we are 
uplifting our community by bringing our product to a bigger market, you know, and just focusing on the positive and the new possibilities. I feel that's where companies go wrong. They only focus in on this is what we need to hit, sell, 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 not that high in the sky. Like this is going to happen because look at everything we've already accomplished and look what we can do together. We've done so much. All these new opportunities are just around the corner. So let's go and get them, you know, like it, it's, it's motivation too. And, and, and trying to get your team to be on board early on. So yeah. I think that's what, what happens. Like they start to freak out, especially the executives and because um, they have the C-suites to deal with and they're like, oh, well now it's time for me to scale. <laughs> and now I have to start acting like a boss, but they should still stay true to their principles. Well, and I think, and everything was, I think one specific thing you just said is something we probably don't think about a lot is leaning on people maybe more than we should. So I think companies try to try to scale and grow, but they try to keep costs down as they do it. So to do that, they may not continue hiring. They may just say, well, here's someone that's already doing a great job. We'll just put a little more on their plate, a little more on this person's plate. And what seems like a little to them has a cascade effect of well, a little more on their plate means a little less time with their families means a little less time focused on health means maybe another a less hour of sleep every night like it has a literal lifestyle effect that eventually is going to cause that person to either decrease their productivity decrease their efficiency or like you said leave altogether and now you're in the middle of a hiring crisis at the same time as you're trying to grow so i mean is is and i understand financial constraints i do but it probably yeah. probably really benefits a company to say like, hey, as I'm growing, I need to properly give out workload as we are growing to make sure we keep the quality of people we already had that made the company successful enough to attempt growth in the first place. Yeah, yeah. And, and sharing that with them that you are needed <laughs> and right. that again, expressing that you care, showing support, keeping them on the journey by just also selling to them. Cause you're going to, you have to continually sell to your employees too, what your vision is, because that's going to keep them with you the entire time too. Yeah. going and, I, and that's something that I've had to, I probably do a little too late is going back over that vision sometimes like, Hey, let's remember why we're here. Let's remember mm-hmm. why, what we're trying to accomplish. It's very easy to let the day by day go. I've got three kids. I'm married, you know, it's, I've got the I've got the podcast along with the business. It's probably it's very easy for me to say, man, a week went by and or a month went by, or three months went by, and I probably didn't have the right conversations. We had our staff meetings, we we had our programming meetings, we went over the logistics, but I probably didn't go back to like, hey, let's let's bring it back to why. Let's bring it back to why, bring it back to why. And that's something you know that the Simon Cynics of the world have done a great job with is I know he works a lot with companies on always going back to the why. And I've certainly yeah. made that mistake in the past of not returning to it, which isn't just returning to it for the employees, right? Sometimes when you return to it in your mind for them, it also makes you say that again, reminds yourself of the why too. I think it, it regrounds me when we have those um, those why meetings, which now I try to do quarterly at least. Yeah. And it's it significantly helps, like you said, yourself as well as your staff. You know, when they hear your why too, they want to work even harder. They right. just, they want to work for the mission because it connects to them, like right at their core. And yeah. the the why I feel is important. And also the how, 
you know, and I feel that also, especially when companies scale, they miss the how, the how to connect again, how to find time to have that work-life balance. Those are important too. Yeah, absolutely. What is, so when you get feedback from employees of companies, you know, what's the different feedback maybe you get at the very beginning of the process first that one or three years later, when you go back and say, okay, how are things now? Maybe what are the most common pieces of feedback you hear? Well, at the very beginning, everyone is so apprehensive. And because similar to you, it's me and two other people <laughs> on my team. Right. So, you know, I have to make sure all my deliverables are clear, concise, and focus into their needs right from the top because different than some of these platforms that are out there for benefit programs, we just make it very personalized and we focus in on pain points versus just like general health and wellness. You know, we can share with them all of the educational pieces, you know, like how much, uh, how much stress is truly affecting someone on a day-to-day basis and give them all the stats. But we also want to come down to what's actually getting, what's actually happening in that company currently. So I've been focusing on this year, uh, kind of going back to companies and saying, Hey, what was something that worked for you? What was something that you would like to see more of in the future? And is there anything that we could tweak for our future programs for other companies? And the number one thing they said, we were very apprehensive at the beginning because you're newer <laughs> in this yeah. industry, Yeah. but they said what they loved with me, it was that I focused in on creativity and, you know, setting expectations from the beginning of what they can actually receive with my services. And then they said the results that they have seen with their their employees have been outstanding. They have seen an uptick in the productivity department, which was something they really needed. And one in particular, one company had told me that literally it changed a lot of their employees' lives by just feeling like they could speak their minds because they were really afraid to share that they were stressed, that they were experiencing change fatigue and burnout. And that greatly impacted the way they started to communicate with one another at the office and at home. So that felt really good. (laughs) I I was going to say, you took the words out of my mouth. I was about to say that must feel really good for you when you get that feedback. Not that just the company's doing well, but when you you really, because really the company numbers are great because you're aligning the two, you're connecting the two. But when the employees themselves, from their mouths, when they're the ones saying, yeah, things are things are better. I feel better about myself. I feel better about my situation. And this, I mean, now we can come full circle a bit to wanting to work better at home, want to be more productive when you're at home, or wanting to come back into the workplace. Like yeah. if, I, if I enjoy going back to the workplace, if I enjoy the communication with my coworkers, I don't mind a 45 minute commute on a train if it's going to a really great place. I think there's probably a lot of people who would say the reason they want to work from home is I, I just, I don't want to be near people. Well, that's not, that's a, for me, that's a, that's a real negative sign, right? Like maybe yeah. like if, if you, if you can only be productive at home, not that it's bad to work from home, but it might also be a sign of like, well, that environment might just be 
might be a little negative. Yeah. How? Go ahead. So, <laughs> Very I, negative. No, I, I, I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. 100. I could um, never do it. No, no, I can't. And I, and I, I'm very blessed to, to love where I come every day. And I, I hope my staff likes coming here. I think they do, but <laughs> I'm sure I, they do. Yeah, I think they do. Um, how important is it? And I think of someone like, you know, Colleen Werner has been on this podcast, so I don't mind dropping her name here. Yeah. Um, what I've always admired about Colleen was her lead from the front approach, not just as a good leader, because she is a good leader, but mm-hmm. from a helper, she takes care of herself. She has always been very good about putting out there how she takes care of herself mentally, balance-wise, physically. Um, yeah, I think she's very good with that. When you're working with companies, do you tap into that at all? Do you say, okay, here's what the company needs, but Mr. Executive, let's talk about you. What What is your day-to-day like? Because there's probably a certain boundary where like, I get it. I, I can be a hypocrite. I cannot work out as much as I ask my members to. I, I certainly go into those realms, but there's got to be a, a line there, right? Where we can't be total hypocrites about health and stress management up top and expect it not to trickle down. Yes. You know, everyone <laughs> looks up to their leaders and their executive team to show the way, right? right. Because they want to ultimately mirror them. Even if people aren't aware of it subconsciously, that's what these employees want to do. They want to get to the very top as well. Most people, some people like staying where they are. Don't get me wrong, but most people are wanting those aspirations of getting to that level and providing for their family. So when you, or I should say, when I have talked to leaders and executive teams, we have to really dig deep and, hey, you know, what's been currently working in your life? Uh, What is some things that you would like off your plate? so that your team can support you more too, because they feel an important amount of stress as well. And being able to talk about their own stress makes it comfortable for everyone else then to share their stress as well. So that that is a game changer. Uh, One company that I had done a few masterclasses for, their leader came to all the calls and that made everyone else come because they're like, okay, will attend because the CEO of our company is going to be there. And guy in charge of finances, he's CFO is going to be there. He's going to talk to all of us and, and share too, not just put on an axe like I'm a perfect angel. No, I have these stressors as well. You know, yeah. I'm going to give an example of mine, you know, and I call out these leaders on those calls and say, hey, can you, you know, share time when you are stressed or feeling a bit overwhelmed? Well, he shared that he has a kid, that he's been transitioning them from being a baby into preschool. And that was like huge for them to hear. And it made them become human in front of the eyes of their employees. So, yeah. So it's important to start there. And if they need a little bit more help, then we'll do individual coaching. But for the most part, just them being open to sharing with their team makes a significant amount of change in their company. Probably the most important part of that call, right? Because Mm -hmm. I'm I'm sure if there's probably some, hey, my my CEO is going to be on there. And if she's going to be on there, then I feel like I have to be. And then, but I'm also probably hesitant to be like, hey, am I really going to put myself out there on this call because she or he is there? But then they open themselves up and now you're like, oh man, that was like, I don't do that about that person. Like now I feel more connected to that person. Like, you know what? Yeah, I will come through and I will share. I will be more involved with this call than I was going to be initially. So that sharing yeah. piece by your leaders is, I, 
probably the catalyst for the rest of the call. Yeah. And being able just to be human, like they just want, they just want to feel some sort of purpose of why they're actually working for this person. Right. Especially if they started the company, there's so many startups, right? They want a reason to, again, comes back to that why factor. And then how are they actually going to achieve their why? Yeah, this is great. And I think that, you know, I, you know, the idea of buy-in, you know, that was a, that was a, a the theme that I had a few times in my, in my preparation for this is how do you get employees to buy into what maybe they see as the greater good of a company? And sometimes we, we associate that with, well, my work makes someone else a lot more money. So, I mean, I think that's, that's a very negative connection for employees. So I think what we've, well, you, not we, I just was here for the ride. What you did a great job of today is really connecting like why, why it can be both, why everyone can prosper and why everyone's health can be better. And, you know, how to get employees to, to buy into wanting to be the best version of themselves every day, you know, and how it benefits them too. And not just, Hey, I want you to be better because it makes our company better. Well, that's not, that's not good enough. It's, it's, it's gotta be about, I want you to be better for you. And then if that happens, the rest kind of kind of takes care of itself. I think that was an awesome job. Um, Sarah, thank you. This has been, and this has been awesome. Um, how do how do people find you? Companies that want to work for you, how do they find you? Yeah, they can find me at livewellenhanceyou.com. I've been cultivating new experiences for companies as well as this continual hybrid model happens. <laughs> I am now doing a wellness event in April called Wellness a la carte. And it's for working professionals. So if you're an individual looking for just a day to relax and just enjoy, it's it's happening at this amazing spot called Trigger. And I'm I'm really, I'm really excited to see where this events portion of my business will go because people just need a day. You know, there's that burnout piece, and they're showing that if people have enough recovery, then they can actually be better leaders and be more productive in their companies for the long haul. So yeah. that's why I started doing some wellness events as well. Uh, but you can find me on social media, LinkedIn, Sarah Elise Bobo, and then Instagram at Sarah Elise Coaching and my podcast, Stress-Free Solutions. Which is awesome, by the way. Thank um, you. Yeah. Uh, so everyone, please check out Sarah. There is you do so much, but between everything you just listed, there is something for everybody. Like whether whether you're the executive, you're the working person, really, no matter what, there's something for everybody. Um, I'm definitely going to be highly recommending, especially to our membership base, that they they check you out and whatever whatever one resonates with them individually. But um, thank you, Mike. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for everything you do. You know, I think the more people like you that are out there, the more our environment as a society gets better. So just thank you for the work you're putting in. I appreciate that. Thank you for having me. I really mean it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I can I can definitely see a round two in our future. There's a lot we can cover here. Um, Sarah, stick around. Everyone else, thank you so much for listening. Again, please, please, please check out Sarah. Um, everything will be in the show notes. There is there's something for everybody and you will not be disappointed. And please do not forget to rate and review the episode. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Lifestyle as Medicine podcast. Find more episodes like this at www.lifestyleasmedicinepodcast.com and visit www.mar, 
marhealthandperformance.com and at marhealthandperformance on both Facebook and Instagram for more great content and information about programs. Have a great day and see you next time.